Here we go. Money talk. Here comes the money. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Big Shots Podcast presented by Whole Nine Sports and the Whole Nine Sports Podcast Network. I am your host, Mike Spencer. Hernation, you can find me on Twitter at Mike Spencer WNS. Joined as always by my friend and co-worker, my colleague Devin the Verified Jackson. You can find him on Twitter at Real D underscore Jackson. Devin, how you doing today, buddy? Pretty good, man. Mike, uh, first I want to tell you happy birthday as we're recording on December 30th. Uh, it is this man's birthday. Even though when this episode comes out, it'll be a whole new year. But it is his birthday today, so just want to give him a shout-out real quick. Uh, it's, it's a pretty day, you know. Uh, before we were, got on here, we were talking about that uh, we record we record this earlier than normal. Usually it's like 9, 10 o'clock at night. But we're doing the afternoon, getting kind of things out of the way, uh, you know, and uh, getting right to – you know, a crazy week in college football. Had her, the playoff games this past Saturday. Had several other Big Ten bowl games that were interesting, to say the least. But uh, so far, so good. Uh, getting ready to talk about that and get into some more draft stuff and bowl games and all types of news. Well, first off, Devin, thank you for the birthday wishes. Yes, I'm glad to finally be joining you and our boss, Brandon. As the 24-year-old old men of the group, um, yeah, just, uh, you know, we recorded a little earlier today just because I got work tonight, um, didn't really want to have to try to rush home, obviously was not going to do this on a Tuesday night because, you know, New Year's and uh, fuck that noise. Um, so, yeah, we don't have the results of the Red Box Bowl because as we're recording it, it has not kicked off yet. It kicks off in two hours, so... Um, we will just, I guess, review that one in next week's um, podcast. But um, we had four that we picked last week that happened. And, um, yeah, you are two and two. I suck and am one and three. Uh, hopefully this week we can kind of both pick it up a little bit. But, you know, not too, too much. Because I still have to beat you in so that you buy me lunch down in, in Mobile. Because uh, that is how it's going to be. We'll see, man. I, I got a I got a one game lead right now. I feel pretty confident of where where I'm at, but hopefully uh, these teams can you know stay true and uh, don't. Uh, I don't even want to talk about it. But let's go ahead and move forward. <laughs> yeah, it, it is kind of weird. We 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 watched these teams all season, and we only picked them in, or I only picked them in two games last week, <laughs> and. Uh, when I went against them, I was proven wrong pretty quick. We'll get into that in a minute. But just some quick news. Uh, Kalen DeBoer, the offensive coordinator out of Indiana, he's now the Fresno State head coach. has been long r- rumored and was now made official, I believe, on Friday. Alec Jackson, the off tackle from Iowa, he decided after uh, the bowl game to stay and uh, graduate, saying that you know the degree was uh, at the forefront of his focus. Um and wanted to do that first. Tristan Wirfs and AJ Epineza, as of 2 o'clock on Monday, are still undecided. Josiah Scott, this only came down about an hour ago, uh, he has decided to uh, declare for the NFL draft. I did not see him as a pro prospect whatsoever. Did not at all focus on him. Um, 
So, yeah, that's uh, one I'm going to have to do some catch-up on. And this is the funniest one of all, Devin, because Pat Fitzgerald is turning down NFL interviews because the Carolina Panthers reached out to him and he just said no. What's your take on that one, man? First of all, why the, why are the Panthers contacting him is, is my first question. Because uh, <laughs> what has he in, in done, you know, whatever. That, that's besides the point. Second of all, point of coach trying to get to the next level you know at some point I mean it seems like everything he's pretty much accomplished week and accomplished at Northwestern I don't see Northwestern winning a Big Ten title anytime soon they're just not a power to be a school that just you know shocks everybody and it's going to be a perennial favorite every year to win the Big Ten West they're, they're just not built like that and it's incredibly difficult to get into Northwestern uh, just as a school aspect. But if you have opportunity to at least interview, I mean, just take the interview. You might not even be interested in a job, but if you if your goal is to stay at Northwestern your ent- entire tenure, you can probably do that. That's fine. But for the Panthers, I don't know what they were thinking, but Pat Fitzgerald, come on, man. You can't even take an interview with them? I mean, it it just... I, I have no words for that. Yeah, that was one where when I saw it, I'm just like, wait, what are the Panthers doing? And what is Pat Fitzgerald doing big-timing an NFL team to go back to his 3-9 and nine college football team? I don't, I don't get that one. Um, let's get into the review. We're going to start with the most important game from last week, obviously. No point starting with Michigan State and working our way up. Everyone's here. They want to talk about the college football playoff game. Clemson comes from behind, beats Ohio State 29-23. My first point is that the officiating this game was, uh, to paraphrase Randy Moss, straight trash, homie. What the actual hell? You have the Sean Wade targeting call, which was by no means actually targeting. That was called a tackle. That is not targeting he didn't lead with his head he barely made contact with the head of trevor lawrence and he wrapped him up actually chase young on the other hand of uh, half of that tackle was more aggressive to the head of trevor lawrence than sean wade was sean wade should not have been ejected sean wade being ejected changed the course of the game it woke up trevor lawrence and made him start actually playing well and it also took away one of the best defenders on ohio state then you have that fumble That is a fumble. That is not an incomplete pass. That is a fumble picked up by Ohio State and returned for a touchdown. I hate to sound like a homer because I cover the Big Ten. I actually don't like Ohio State all that much, but that was some garbage refing. It was truly garbage. Yeah, it it was just terrible all around. I mean, the the calls were horrendous. Just the, the fact that they just let that happen and just just making those calls that swung the momentum of the game I mean Ohio State was up 16-0 at that point and uh, we're about to get another stop and about to give the ball back to our offense and probably uh, pound the ball some more with J.K. Dobbins who had an amazing game unfortunately his game was kind of ruined by an ankle injury but he, he played his butt off but it's just devastating for Ohio State. I mean, they had two pivotal calls, one that uh, definitely swung the momentum in Clemson's favor and then another one that could have swung it in their favor. 
Um, I, I just don't understand, you know, across all levels of sports, it feels like nobody knows what a catch is anymore. Like, you can take four steps like uh, Clemson receiver did, fumble, but it get called incomplete. Like, there was at no point a time where after you caught the ball that it bobbled, you know. Uh, so I don't understand the the officiating. It was it was terrible. Um, it, it, it was just bad. Just flat out bad. Uh, Ohio State fans and New Orleans Saints fans unite. I mean, there's, there's not much more I can say about that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that was some truly just garbage officiating. Uh, I've looked at that that fumble several times over. It makes no sense. It wasn't a fumble. I don't know what they were saying. It, it, it made no sense because when you slowed it down, you could clearly see that it was a fumble. And they're like, well, you know, he uh, if you slow it down, then it's a fumble. But looking at it in, in full sight, you know, you can't really tell. Well, that's the point of what reviews are for is to slow it down and make the call correct. We just saw this on, on Christmas with, um, with the Lakers and Clippers with the whole – Eric Wright the next day, or Sean, whatever the hell his name is, the, the guy from ESPN that went on about how, well, when you review the tape, it's the correct call, you know, call when they did the review, but it should still be Lakers ball, even though it went off LeBron. This is not the same thing. This is, they slowed it down. They actually called it right the first time, and they overturned it anyways, and it made no sense, and it just pissed me off. Um, moving on from that, we the... Other than the horrendous officiating that we had to bear witness to, there was that amazing Garrett Wilson catch. I've never seen a human being get that high in the air before until this. I, that man has some serious springs. It's crazy. He's only a freshman, and he's only going to get better from here. You know, with K.J. Hill leaving this season, uh, he's going to step into that role, and I think he's going to really excel in that role, too. Uh, it, it was an amazing catch. I mean, he... he went over the top of the guy and literally came down with it. You know, Ohio State had it rolling early. Uh, I will say, though, they did leave a ton of points on the board. Uh, I think, you know, I, I, I definitely understand the calls, the refereeing suck, but they they had a chance to kind of blow that game open earlier in the game. Um, they came away with, what, with three field goals in the first half um, when, you know, two of them at least could have been touchdowns. Dobbins dropped uh, a wheel route touchdown that that, that could have uh, put him up, I believe, 20-0 there in the first half or 17-0, um, something like that. But they, they left some points on the board, um, which sucked. But, yeah, that catch was amazing. But I, I definitely was a little disappointed in the Ohio State offense just um, for the fact that, you know, they just couldn't get an end zone. And that was something we've seen them do all year long. When they got down to the red zone, they punch it in and uh, give credit to Clemson's defense and Brent Venables for, you know, standing tall when they got down to the red zone. But, man, there's a lot to be desired for the Ohio State offense, uh, despite the momentum swing. I think they definitely had, you know, a chance to, to extend that lead and may, make it maybe even a, um, in some even more insurmountable comeback for Clemson. Well, like I said in the in the preview piece I did for the for the game that you know Ryan Day's whole philosophy is you know what I'm gonna do you just need to man up and stop it and Brett Venables went challenge accepted and took away from him so the Ohio State offense which had been 
pretty much unstoppable for the entire season, was very much stoppable uh, in this game. Five trips to the red zone, uh, three field goals and a touchdown is all they were able to get from it because Brent Venables just took it away from them, took away everything that Ohio State had been able to do uh, relatively easily all year. They're just like, yeah, you know what? This is ours. Like, uh, And then the... The last thing I want to point out about this game is Yoda both called it that the weakness on this Ohio State defense that could that could rear its ugly head was going to be the lack of athleticism in the second level. These um, Ohio State defensive linemen, great athletes. The defensive backs, great athletes. The linebackers, no, they're not. And it was the threat of Trevor Lawrence running as well as Travis Etienne being as fast as he is, and they just tore up the second level of... Ohio State's defense, and that ultimately is what decided the game. Yeah, one one of uh, you know Ohio State's linebackers, Senior Bowl uh, invite um, Lee Harrison. One of his weaknesses is playing in space. Um, he's not exactly the the shiftiest or fastest guy. Um, doesn't change direction real real well. And once those misdirections start hitting, you start seeing Trevor Lawrence get outside the pocket. Uh, it, it it gave Ohio State's fits. Ohio State fits. And we saw a little bit of that in the Penn State game, uh, the second half, when once Sean Clifford went out and they had in Will Levis, and he was like literally running the ball, uh, you know, creating plays with his feet. Uh, that's Ohio State's weakness in the second level. I mean, you got Chase Young, uh, Davon Hamilton had an amazing game. Um, some of those other defensive linemen for Ohio State. Uh, they did their thing, but at the end of the day, you need those second-level players to, to make plays in space, and they could not. Um, ETN was, was running all over them in the second half. Uh, Lawrence had that long touchdown that really swung the game. So uh, the, the second-level Ohio State had been a weakness all season long, but they played in a conference with not a, ton, not a ton of running quarterbacks or teams with a lot of misdirection philosophy. So when you start playing these teams that know that that's your weakness and will exploit it, like Clemson, uh, it can be a long day. It was a long day for Ohio State in that second half. But like I said, I mean, they still had a chance to win late in the game. But the defense got shredded, especially at the second level, uh, by the running ability of Clemson. Yeah, absolutely. And one last thing I'm going to say on this game before we move on is there's a lot of people on Twitter that are – for whatever reason, saying that Chase Young is going to be a bust because, well, he didn't show out in the stat sheet. It's almost like Clemson schemed their entire offensive game plan away from him. This is not very complicated. I mean, Wisconsin did a good job even the second time around playing Chase Young because you have to have a plan for him. You, you can't just sit and uh, expect him to, you know, go one-on-one against a tight end or tackle. And, and let me just rant about this. Uh, I saw a tweet, and I, I felt this exact tweet. Stop blocking tight ends on edge rushers. Stop stop doing that. Like, that is the worst idea you can do. Uh, Oklahoma did it when they played against K, uh, K. LeVon Chason. Um, the first time Ohio State Wisconsin played, they did that. Uh, with Chase Young, I mean, just just stop, just stop doing that because it's it's going to end a disaster. Uh, and second of all, like like you were saying about Chase Young, they had a plan for him. You're not going to let him wreck the game. Make other people beat you. Make the second level of the Ohio State defense beat. You. That's exactly what he did. What Clemson made Ohio State do. 
they know that you know the secondary can fly around, make plays, and uh, and the the front four, front three, however many down linemen they have, and on a particular play, they knew how athletic and fast they could be. So using that against Ohio State is exactly what they you know what Clemson did. So uh, this narrative that Chase Young will be a bust is is a complete and uh, utterly foolish notion. You know, I mean the the man is clearly the best football player in college football. Uh, when you you have to double team him every play, chip him, do all types of stuff. You have to slow him down in order to have a chance. And Clemson were able to were able to do that earlier in the game though. Chase Young was like a step away. Pretty much the entire game was a step away from. Um, you know, getting a sack or stripping Trevor Lawrence. But when you're playing like a next-level quarterback in Trevor Lawrence, it's kind of difficult when he knows there's a clock in his head that he can't hold on the ball too long. And they schemed it around it. You know, quick passes, uh, screens, uh, draw plays. You you got to mix it up against a, a great pass rusher and great player and, and Chase Young. Clemson did that. And I I want people to understand this is the same thing that was happening to A.J. Epineza earlier in the year, you know. Teams were game planning against him. Teams were double teaming him, making sure that he didn't wreck, up, wreck plays. And then saw later in the season, he finally figured it out. And he really had a hot uh, stretch down, you know, the stretch of games. So you can only hope to contain a great player like that for so long. And fortunately for Clemson, they were able to do it for most games. Yeah, I mean, uh, one of my favorite tweets on on this whole Chase Young is a bust thing was about how he feasted on weak competition like Rutgers and Maryland. You know, the two teams he missed due to his suspension. That was just hilarious. Uh, but, like, the I was kind of surprised that given all of the uh, injuries that we saw, I mean, Trevor Lawrence got banged up, John Simpson, the right guard for Clemson, he got banged up. Uh, T. Higgins left the game for a bit. Jeff Okuda left the game for a bit. J.K. Dobbins was playing on like half an ankle by the end of it. I'm surprised Chase Young didn't get hurt in this game. It seemed like everyone did. Let's move on because we could talk about this game forever and never run out of things to say. And there were actually other bowl games involved in the Big Ten. Uh, none of them were overly interesting, but let's go through them. Starting with the least interesting of all of them, the Wear Pinstripe Bowl. Michigan State beats Wake Forest 27-21. Brian Lewerke still sucks. Michigan State finishes on a three-game winning streak. Lewerke still with some of the worst footwork I've ever seen out of a quarterback. Um, clean pocket. I pointed this one out on Twitter. Clean pocket. Why he's, like, hopping up and down on his feet, I have no idea. Uh, throws an off-balance leaning back, again, in a completely clean pocket, throws the ball high, gets tipped, gets intercepted. What the hell? How are you a redshirt senior still doing this? On a consistent basis. Unfortunately, it's Brian Lewerke. That's what he does. Um, I mean, he can literally throw an interception in any situation. We've seen that clearly. I mean, he's floated passes, completely airmailed them, uh, just threw it up for grabs. I mean, uh, the guy, he just makes bad decisions, uh, even even when he has full protection. So, I mean, I guess a great win for Michigan State. Honestly, if they had their, if Wake Forest had their number one receiver, uh, say Sherratt, uh, this wouldn't probably even been a game, to be honest. Um, 
So, I mean, I guess I'm happy for Michigan State. I mean, they really shouldn't have been in the bowl game in the first place. But uh, kudos to them for capping off their season. And uh, we'll see a new era next year. I wonder who will be quarterback. Hopefully, whoever it is, it's better than Lewerke. Uh, I know they got Rocky Lombardi coming back next year. But other than that, man, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know where this Michigan State team goes next year. Uh, they look very unimpressive this year, and uh, they they have they're losing a lot of guys in the, on that front seven as well. So it should be interesting to see what what happens in the new year, uh, and you know what what comes of Michigan State team uh, because that was not it. That was not a good season. Uh, pinstripe bowl win and all, not a good season. Yeah, I mean, this is a team that we all expected to be kind of a 9 or 10 win team potentially, and they just they just sucked the entire season. They sucked all the energy out of actually talking about them. Um, what else did we have? Next game that I have on tap here was the Holiday Bowl. I'm, I missed this one due to work. Um, you picked Iowa in a very low-scoring game. I picked USC in a very high-scoring game. Neither of us saw Iowa whooping the crap out of the Trojans. Where did this come from? Honestly, I have no clue. Um, I was—I didn't watch the game, but I was keeping up with the score, and I—I I just saw it just keep getting larger and larger. I'm like, what is? What's going on? Since when did Iowa have an explosive offense? You know? <laughs> oh, they didn't. They didn't. There was, this is largely due to like field position and Amir Smith Marset returning a, you know, a uh, kick for a touchdown. But like this, I, I I made a joke on Instagram. Like, oh, now you guys decide that it's time to score more than twenty points in a game. Yeah, uh, it it was interesting. Very interesting. Uh, you know. I just didn't expect this at all. Like I said, I thought it was going to be low scoring, you know, with Iowa's offense not exactly being explosive. But I think I thought that Iowa would play well defensively, but not that well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Tristan Wurst dominated this game. This is definitely a stock-up game for him. He finishes the year strong. Uh, Iowa started using their young playmakers in Tyler Goodson and uh, Tyrone Tracy. Uh, by the way, uh, is it... Goodson's mom that follows the yes. uh, big shots on, on Twitter. Yes. Be like Tyler Goodson's mom and, and shoot us a follow on Twitter. Um, AJ Epineza single handedly ruined the draft stock of left tackle uh, Austin Jackson. He had him looking foolish for most of the game. I think Austin Jackson had one or two good reps, but the rest of the game just belonged to AJ Epineza. This was the first game where you and I went different on. You won, I lost. This had me feeling really bad. After the first day of bowl games, when I'm I'm sitting at 0-2, when I've watched pretty much every game, I don't know where this Iowa team came from, uh, but uh, if this is a glimpse into the future, maybe Iowa's going to be better than like the fourth or fifth team in the conference every year. Well, they, they got some offensive weapons coming back. They got uh, Smith-Marset, they got Tyler Goodson coming back. Uh, so those two guys right there will be big. Uh, Tyrone Tracy... Um, they all three of them. Uh, they're going to be a big role for Iowa next year. Just going to see who plays quarterback because we we haven't seen anybody really take any snaps other than um, Nick Stanley in the last couple years. Yeah, this was um, this was something. 
I'm not entirely sure what it was, but this game was definitely something. USC, they definitely suck. Uh, but Iowa, this was this was a good game. Speaking of good games, uh, Memphis and Penn State. Note, not a single lick of defense was played in this entire game, 53-39. to We both called Penn State winning this one. Um, yeah, no defense played this entire game. Penn State's um, sophomores really came out and dominated. We learned one thing about Penn State, Devin. We learned one thing. They are truck stick enthusiasts. Yeah, uh, Pat Fryermuth, Jeremy Brown, <laughs> my God. Like, they just said... Get out of my way and just kept it moving. Journey Brown, he he went off that game, you know. I think he, there was like a game in high school. He had like 500 yards rushing and like seven Good touchdowns. God. Yeah, he was a monster in high school. He played for a small high school, but he was still a monster. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I knew this game was going to be a no defense, defense game. Memphis hasn't played defense all year long, really. Uh, I mean, they kind of, but not really. Um, the team, the the team that uh, kind of made me think that this is going to be like a high-scoring game is when they play SMU on that Saturday night game uh, when literally no one was playing. Like the the first Saturday in November when nobody was playing. <laughs> but um, I knew it was going to be a high-scoring game. You know, pretty much Penn State dominated the front seven. That's exactly what I said in the preview article that this game is going to come down to who wins the front seven battle, wins the battle up front. Penn State did that pretty much on both sides of the ball. Um, I knew Penn State's weakness was going to be the passing game, and Memphis hit a ton of explosive plays. But it was an exciting cotton ball, I would say. I just got back from uh, Georgia that day and missed uh, pretty much the first quarter and a little bit of the second. But it was pretty much a back-and-forth action all game long. Uh, that's this is why I imagine bowl games should be. You know, I don't I don't like six to three final scores or thirteen to seven. Uh, I want to see a ton of points scored, and that's exactly what we got with this game. Man, we, you and I were having so much fun on Twitter during that game, just tweeting the clips like when Fryer Muth just buried that defender, and I'm just like, you know, uh, I, I, just like y'all want to see a dead body. And, like, you know, if I'm the, the Memphis defense, I'm just becoming one with the ground here because, like, Journey Brown, like, trucked, like, five guys on a long touchdown run because, of course, he did. Uh, like, he just, they just dominated. And, like, it seemed like every time there was a highlight, it was because a Penn State player just, like, just introduced a Memphis guy's face just into the dirt. Just, oh. they just ran, literally ran over them the entire game. Yeah, last point from this game. Uh, Micah Parsons will be a top five pick next year. Yes. Um, Th- there's no debating. That's just a fact. Yeah. Uh, he just, man, he's just so dominant. Like, And he showed he can rush the passer. It's scary, man. And the crazy thing was, like, earlier this year, like, midway through the season, uh, Coach Franklin was saying he's not even close to his potential. Good God. And he's literally making plays based off his athleticism. Like, not even, like, football IQ yet. So, whew. Yikes. All right, man, let's get into these previews for these New Year's games. As Of course, like we said, it's Wednesday when you guys are listening to this. So, literally in, like, a couple hours, you can turn these games on. Let's start with the Outback Bowl. I actually did a full write-up on this one that's available on whole9sports.com. 
It's number 18, Minnesota, versus number 12, Auburn. This is at 1 p.m. on ESPN. Uh, which Minnesota offense shows up? The one that uh, can't pass the ball but can run for 300 yards in a game or the one that can't run but can throw for 400 yards in a game? I fully expect this to be a game where Minnesota has to pass the ball over the yard. Uh, I can't see Minnesota dominating Auburn's front seven. Uh, just I their just, front four, even. Yeah, I, I just can't see it. Uh, I could be wrong. You know, I, I love to be proved wrong in those type of things, but I don't see it. But I'll tell you what, Auburn doesn't have an answer for Rashad Bateman and Tyler Johnson. I can tell you that much. No, I, um, no, for sure they don't. So I expect, I fully expect a, a full air attack, uh, and hopefully the weather is good and it's not sloppy rain. Because uh, if it is, it's going to be a low-scoring game. Yeah, for sure. I mean, looking at that Auburn defensive line, there are four future NFL li- uh, defensive linemen on that. You have Derek Brown, who's probably going to go top ten this year. You have Nick Coe, who's probably going to be an early day three guy. You have Marley Davidson, who's a great edge rusher, that's probably going to be taken in the late stages of day two or into early day three. And then you have Big Cat Bryant, who's probably going to be the lone guy returning for his senior year. Um, this is a very good front four for Auburn. I I went on and on and on and on and on about it in the preview. Um, my big question is, can the Gophers, do they have anyone that is capable of blocking Derek Brown? Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely not. So I hope they double-team him, because uh, if they don't, um, Tanner Morgan's going to be running for his life, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, you got a score, pre- you got a um, prediction for this one? Uh, you know, uh, I'm going to pick Auburn in this one. Um, I think they'll win uh, an ugly game, probably like 27-20. I I just don't think Minnesota's defense is going to be able to stop the rushing attack from Auburn. I think Auburn's pretty much going to draw the clock out and uh, force Minnesota's offense into obvious throwing situations. Um... So I'm gonna pick Auburn. I think I think they're. It's kind of it's kind of hard to test someone's motivation, but with Auburn, you know, having the schedule they had and still making it to a decent bowl game against a pretty good opponent, uh, I think uh, Auburn somehow comes out with this victory. I'm gonna go with Auburn as well in this one. Um, when I wrote the article, that, you know, the preview article for this one. Uh, the keys to victory for Auburn are, are really simple. They have to, well, keep it simple for uh, Bo Nix, the freshman quarterback. Don't ask him to do too much because, again, this is a very, very experienced and intelligent Minnesota defense. You don't want to enforce too much, especially with the multiple looks that Minnesota can give you. The defense, I look, I honestly look position by position. It's like quarterback, it's a wash. Running back, it's a wash. Wide receiver, Minnesota, obviously. Offensive line, it's going to be Auburn. Defensive line, Auburn. Linebackers, it's Minnesota. Secondary, Minnesota. And then head coaching, I think it's pretty obvious that it's Auburn. You have a guy that's won a national championship. All that together, this ends up saying an Auburn win. I don't exactly see this one getting all that high scoring. I'm going to say Auburn 21-17. to Next up, we have number 14, Michigan. How is Michigan ranked 14th in the country? Versus number 13, Alabama. In the Citrus Bowl in Orlando, this is also a 1 p.m. kickoff. This one's on ABC. 
Alabama seems to have most of their big-name guys playing. Terrell Lewis and Trayvon Diggs are the two that have basically said they are sitting this one out. Both of them are senior bowl guys. There's nothing really in it for them. Jerry Judy appears to be playing. Henry Ruggs appears to be playing. Devontae Smith appears to be returning to school last I checked. Um, yeah, Alabama has a lot of talent in this game. A lot of them seem to be... Um, participating in the bowl game which is good to see michigan last i checked all of their main guys are playing in this game i want to see shea patterson who's one of the worst quarterback prospects in this year's class versus alabama's defense i think that's just gonna be hilarious to watch um and then bama's backup quarterback du jour versus a good michigan defense i'm pretty sure it's mac jones that's playing it might even be to his brother probably see a bit of both uh, this game is not one that I thought I would be saying I'm not interested in. Yeah, I'm not really interested in this game. Uh, this game is going to be an absolute slaughter. <laughs> that is my opinion on the game. Really? I, I do not see this game being close at all. Um, you have an angry Alabama team <laughs> going against a Michigan team that's pretty much peaked. Uh, <laughs> they, they peaked against Indiana. I don't see Michigan's offense really being able to do much of anything. Uh, maybe hit a few big plays here and there since uh, Alabama doesn't have their best cover guy out there. But I, I just don't see Patterson making enough plays to to really move the ball down the field to Alabama defense. Now, this Alabama defense does have holes, and against prolific passing games, um, They've really struggled defensively to stop them. Uh, you saw LSU pretty much shred up their entire secondary. Um, even Auburn, to a certain degree, uh, shredded. I up knew them. you were going to fit in an LSU reference in there somewhere. <laughs> Auburn. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. I, I thought you could maybe get through an entire podcast. I forget that it's basically like having a second Dylan Sanders working. <laughs> Only you're a little bit less obnoxious about it. Only slightly. Um, but yeah, you said that they're they're you know susceptible to potent passing attacks. It's a good thing that Michigan isn't one. Exactly. Uh, which makes me think that this game is not going to be that close. Unless Alabama just comes out completely unmotivated and doesn't care. But I, I don't know, man. Uh, this is a position they haven't been in in a long time, where they're in a pretty much meaningless bowl game uh, for a, a program that lives off the college football playoff and playing for the national championship. Um, so it should be interesting to see, should they come out uh, ready to play? I think this is a 45-21 game, uh, and Alabama completely dominates and gives up a few late touchdowns in Michigan. Um, should they not come Ready to play. I think Alabama still wins. Uh, possibly a shootout, 45-35. Uh, but at the end of the day, I don't, I don't see Michigan winning. Um, they have a solid defense, but my God, they do not have enough corners to cover Alabama's receivers. Uh, Devontae Smith, Henry Ruggs, and Jerry Judy. Uh, you could throw, even throw in Jalen Waddle. Uh, I think he'll be the X factor um, because – who are you going to put on him? You know, Josh Metellus is not fast enough to go cover any of those guys. Um, Kalik Hudson is not – he may have some speed, but he, he's not going to be able to, to cover him one-on-one. Uh, Michigan plays a ton of man defense. I don't see them doing that this game uh, unless they want to get burned for 75-yard touchdowns. So, um, 
uh, I see, I see Michigan uh, probably probably not going to be close uh, once the second half begins in this game. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I don't also. I also don't really see this one being all that interesting. Um, the only thing I could say is, can you imagine if Tua was healthy and this was still the matchup? This would be like seventy-five to nothing. Like seriously, they, this team, even with Mac Jones, proved that they're capable of putting up points. Because of just the offensive scheme and just how talented that receiving core is. Plus, don't forget Najee Harris. Like, there is not a single player on um, on Michigan's defense that can stop any of these guys. I'm sitting there looking at the rosters and I'm going, if you just looked at who was on the field when Alabama has the ball, the Michigan's best defender is Josh Uche. He's like seventh best player on the field when Alabama has the ball. This game is not going to be close. I'm going to say, kind of like you said, I think Alabama's still going to put up 40. They're going to hang a 40 uh, burger on them. I think this is going to end up being 45-24. I'm literally giving Michigan an extra field goal. I'm just, just, just to be nice. It's a season of giving. That's fair. Um... Next up, the Rose Bowl. Number six, Oregon versus number eight, Wisconsin. If Oregon had beaten Auburn or, you know, not, like, sucked, at, you know, and lost to, like, one other random team that they did Arizona in the middle of the year, that would be it. <laughs> they would probably have actually gotten the uh, the four seed, and we wouldn't have had to see Oklahoma disgrace the, the college football playoff the way they did. Um, Zach Bond, the edge rusher from Wisconsin, is going to have to face the best offensive tackle in all of college football in true sophomore Penny Sewell. I so want to see this. Penny Sewell has not allowed a sack in two years. He's had like three pressures in his college career. This is a, this is a true sophomore who started every game of his career, and he's allowed two, like three pressures. This is insane. <laughs> yeah, he didn't even allow a pressure this year. My God. Yeah, uh, the dude's a beast. I'm excited to see Zach Bond back on the field. Uh... This is your guy. Yeah, and see what he does. You know, I'm I'm a little critical of him though. You know, he he's, he's a bit of an undersized guy, um, and he he uses his speed well. You would like to see him uh, incorporate more pass rush moves. But in general, uh, I think that it should be interesting to to see how what Oregon does to match up um, against this Wisconsin defense uh, that. Their front seven is pretty stout. Uh, back end wise, they're okay. Uh, not not really game changers. I don't know, man. Uh, some of these bowl games are a little bit tougher to pick than others. Um, and this is one yeah, of this is a really tough one because I, I just don't know if Oregon is going to be able to stop the run game of Wisconsin. You know, because they're going to come with Jonathan Taylor at least thirty times, at least. You know. Um, I just don't know. Oregon's offense has been so inconsistent all year long, and it kind of lies on Justin Herbert's shoulders. Um, this is a la- his last chance to really prove to you know the college football world, NFL scouting world, that he should be a first round prospect and should be picked, you know, top ten, top fifteen. Um, so I don't know, man. Picking this game is is difficult. You know, I. You know what? I'm going to go Wisconsin in this one. Um, Ooh. 
think Wisconsin wins this one, 31-28. Uh, and make some plays late. I don't think I can't see Oregon stopping uh, Jonathan Taylor. See, here's the thing. This is one I went back and forth on a lot, and <coughs> excuse me. This is one I went back and forth on a lot because they are very similar, and they've faced teams similar to. Their well, their respective opponents throughout the year. I mean, Oregon faced a run-heavy, you know, dominant runner in their own conference in the conference championship game in Utah and Zach Moss, and they slowed him down and ultimately won. They also had a better quarterback on Utah than than Wisconsin does. Jack Cohn is not as good as Tyler Huntley is. They have the formula to stop that type of offense. Now, obviously, Jonathan Taylor is a miles better running back than Zach Moss is. But again, if you can slow the run game and make them one-dimensional and dare the quarterback to have to beat you, that's Oregon's game. Oregon has a three-headed, four-headed monster in the running game and then can spread it out in the passing game. They have the best offensive tackle in the country. They have the most experienced offensive line in the country. Probably one of the two or three best in the country. Bunch of guys that are going to go in rounds two, three, four, and five this year with Sewell, who's probably going to go top five next year. There are a lot of X-Factors in this game. There are a lot of really good prospects to watch in this game. This is a draft uh, prospect-heavy game, and I'm going to love it. I have to give the edge to the quarterback here, and I'm going to give it to Justin Herbert. I just feel like if it comes down to the quarterbacks, you have to give it to the guy that actually can get it done because Jack Cohn has yet to prove it to me this year. I'm going to go with Oregon because I just have a better feeling, and I also have to catch up with you. And I'm going to go with Oregon 31-27. to Should be a good game regardless. Oh, yeah. And who would have thought that the last bowl game the Big Ten would play in this year does not involve Ohio State, it doesn't involve Michigan, it doesn't involve Wisconsin, it involves Indiana. Oh, I've been looking forward to this game just because it's Indiana. Like, this, the, covering this is both of us the biggest Indiana fans you can imagine, which neither one of us would have thought back in September. Oh, no. Not at uh, all. Of course, they saved the most fun bowl game in the conference for last. Uh, this is on January 2nd. This is the Gator Bowl. They're facing Tennessee. I'm looking forward to seeing Taiwan Mullen, who is the cousin of Lamar Jackson and the younger brother of Trayvon Mullen, who was just uh, taken, I believe, the second round this past year. Um, covering two potential NFL wideouts and Marquez Callaway and Jawan Jennings. This is just going to be great. This is just going to be so much fun. Uh, Indiana with their breakout season that they had this year. Tennessee was like uh, I think they're four and five rattled off. Or sorry, they were three and five rattled off four straight wins to go seven and five. Save Jeremy Pruitt's job. This is this is going to just be a very fun game to watch. I it's not showing in my region. I'm gonna have to try to watch this one online. Um, I can't wait for this one. I'm picking Indiana because of course I am. Indiana always has a way to, to pull out games late. I'm going to say Indiana wins this one. I think this one's going to be high scoring because not a single shred of defense going to be played in this game. I'm going to say Indiana 41-38. I will also say Indiana. Um, I'm excited to see, uh, hopefully, uh, most of Indiana's kind of offense healthy. Uh, I don't think Stevie Scott will play in the game, but... Uh, I'm excited to see a healthy WAP failure and 
Um, you know, some of those other guys that make India's offense go. Uh, Peyton Ramsey, I expect him to, to come in and play well. Uh, I got Indiana winning as well. I think this one will, will be like a 38 to 31 type game. Um, but it should be an exciting one, probably the most exciting one uh, so far this bowl season. Yeah, absolutely. That's going to do it for us today, guys, as always. Um, follow me on Twitter at MikeSpencerWNS. Follow Devin on Twitter, RealD underscore Jackson. Follow Big Shots on Twitter at Big Shots Podcast. Read our stuff on Whole Nine Sports. We are expanding. We have more stuff coming along the way. Um, Devin and I are going to have to really sit down in the next week or so. We're going to have to plan out Mobile because it's coming up. We're going to be down there in Mobile. Uh, we're probably going to just make it real easy, record in the same room, uh, hopefully have like the best sound quality we've ever had. Um, this is just going to be a really fun week when we're down there try to get some interviews with maybe some players maybe some other draft analysts we'll we'll have to see i know that we want to do a crossover with all of the whole nine sports podcasts that we've got um we're gonna be bringing you guys a lot of content so you know stay tuned uh as for next week we're gonna go over what happens here we'll find out who won the um head-to-head picks competition and who's buying lunch down in mobile spoiler alert it's gonna be me uh <laughs> And uh, yeah, we'll we'll see you guys around next week. And uh, thanks for tuning in. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, y'all.